Welcome to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. I'm Nick Sinclair and this is the go-to podcast if you're an accountant and looking to set up and build a high-performing offshore team for your accounting firm. Here you can learn how to complement your local efforts, grow capacity and deliver more to clients than ever before. Hear from experts who have done it already. Let's go. Today I interviewed Neil Jarrod, Director at Air Adventure for the Offshore Accountant Podcast. Coming from a military background, Neil has a strong history in systems and processes. Carefully selecting yet knowing how to maximise technology has helped improve his firm's systems and processes dramatically, achieving efficiency as a result. Listen to Neil's story and learn how to ride the changing tide of the accounting industry. I'm Jerry from Air Adventure and you're listening to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. Jerry, give us an overview of your team structure, local staff, offshore staff, and how long have you been doing this process for? Yeah, sure. So it's uh, just me here in Australia, actually. Um, I've been able to develop the uh, team offshore all by myself, and that's kind of the intention of what we're going for. And we have six at the moment over in uh, Clark in the Philippines, and we've been doing it with TOA for about two and a half years now, so October 2015. And uh, we've uh, grown since then, uh, one to begin with, and then uh, we've had some uh, pretty big growth over the last 12 months. Great. Now, I know you call yourself a different title. What is your title and what do you call your team members over in the um, Philippines? Sure. So I'm the, uh, I refer to as the commanding traveller guide, and uh, we have various uh, iterations of that, but we're all referred to as traveller guides. Now, that's uh, because our entire branding is surrounding our journey with our clients and how we want to partner with them and and take that business journey with them. So we didn't feel that calling ourselves accountants really gave that justice. So we call ourselves traveller guides and our clients are called travellers. Yeah, excellent. Now, I know, Jerry, you've also taken a different tack to a lot of um, our clients in that you will only recruit graduates as opposed to experienced um, people over in the Philippines. What's your main um, strategy for doing that? So the reason behind that is uh, so that we can train the people the way that we want them to be trained. Um, I've got a big belief that uh, a Filipino coming out of university is no different than a graduate coming out of university here in Australia. Um, And by taking them there, they can come up through our system, learn our techniques, um, not get skewed by uh, some inefficient practices and and also just enjoy the mentality of a younger team and uh, enthusiasm behind that. You know, and look, you've, you've certainly built a great culture and got a great team, and I know we'll talk a lot more about that um, during the podcast today. So, Jerry, tell us a little bit about your accounting firm. Um, do you have a niche or are you a generalist? Because I know that you are, are different. You're not a typical tax accountant. So tell us a little bit more around the niche you focus on or whether you're a generalist and just a little bit about your firm from that side of it. Yeah, no, definitely not a generalist. Um, and we don't go anywhere near income tax. Um, we'll feed that out to um, some friendly accountants that we know, or um, generally we'll ask our, our clients to uh, find their own. Um, and generally they will have their own. Um, so I guess the niche that we work in is more um, the back end processing for our, for our clients. Um, it's, uh, it's more the bookkeeping, the payroll, and the reporting element. Um, we don't tend to do too much advisory. We'll point things out, but we won't necessarily um, create an advice uh, letter or anything along those lines. Um, and I guess that's the difference is that uh, we're not looking to create a service. It's more of a product. So is it more like a virtual CFO offering for firms or how is it? Tell us a little bit about, I suppose, a typical client of yours. 
Sure. So a typical client um, is someone with any any employees. Um, generally, that's the way. We don't take sole traders. Um, they have to be in a business structure in order to um, to use our services. That's mainly so we don't get caught up in all their their personal transactions. Um, and then they'll have employees up from uh, one to I think the highest we've got is about ninety. Um, and that just means that they've got their own internal structures um, that need to be looked after. And what we do is we go in and we recreate their efficiencies, um, their strategies um, and their systems. And the back end of that system is us. And we process all of the um, elements that need processing from inventory management, uh, um, their payables, invoicing. And then it, we effectively are just a data center. The data comes in, we process it, and then the data gets pushed back. Um, our biggest clients will already have a CFO and a finance team in place, and our staff generally become almost like staff to them. Yeah, brilliant. It's it's definitely a lot different to what we see with a lot of accounting firms, and it's obviously working because you're growing and growing fast. Now, Jerry, tell us a little bit about the story of, of setting up your offshore team. What were your motivations behind doing this? Obviously, versus other priorities within your firm, you are a sole trader in Australia, so it's only you in Australia. So tell us a little bit about your um, story with setting up your offshore team and your motivations. Sure. So uh, I guess the setting up of the the uh, the structure has really come back to the, my historical learnings. Um, uh, when I left high school, I joined the army. Uh, that then gave me great grounding in terms of processes, systems, and discipline. Um, once I left the army, I then obviously got my accounting trade and I was actually um, started in audit division and I was taught by um, Filipinos. They were the Filipinos who had actually transitioned across to Australia and working up there in Darwin and they were my managers and senior accountants and they were the ones who taught me. So I got to learn uh, very quickly um, what the work ethic and dedication of the Filipino culture was um, in that essence. And then as my um, career progressed, um, I ended up here in Perth and worked for a mid-tier firm that had um, that was offshoring to not the Philippines, but to another country and got to learn uh, directly on how to run an offshore team, how to train effectively, how to use communication methods to get the best out of the people and empower them. And then once you add that all together and you mix it all up in a bowl, that's kind of how Air Ventures come about. Okay, great story. So how long has Air Ventures been around for now? We just had our third birthday in March, so three years we've been going for. Fantastic story and fantastic growth. So how did you go about setting up, obviously, researching, finding a partner, recruiting, onboarding? What was the process and how long did it take? So once we started, I knew exactly, exactly is probably the wrong word there. I knew what I wanted to, uh, where I wanted to get to. So uh, I knew that I couldn't bring people on straight away. I started with a zero base of clients, which gave me the opportunity to actually develop the system that I wanted to use for a period of time before actually implementing it. Um, so that took about three months in order to get that up and running. Um, I then went in search of some clients and signed up three clients pretty quickly um, and then tested the system that I'd created with those clients to see whether or not what I'd actually thought would work did work. There was a few amendments that I made along the way. And then once I was happy that it was working, even though I probably couldn't afford it with the revenue I was getting, I, I brought someone on so that I could get it to run um, exactly the way. And then that person who um, came on there is now my, um, what we refer to as our master traveler guide. So she runs the team over there effectively now. Um, she's been with me obviously right from the beginning and she knows the system inside and out and has actually helped develop it since that point. Um, on what works for her and the team over there as opposed to what I think would work from here. 
Excellent. Now, for someone looking to set up an offshore team, what advice would you give them to move as quickly as possible? What would be the three most critical things you would spend time on? Yeah, so that kind of reiterates the point I was just making. So they, you need to understand who you are as a business and what you are actually doing. You need to understand your own business culture. You need to understand what your bigger picture of your business is. From there, you uh, need to actually know what you're going to get them to do. And you can't just say, I'm just going to get them to do tax returns because that's not specific enough. It's too broad. You can't just say, I'm going to get them to do financials because you need to understand how you're going to do it, why they're doing it, how you're going to teach them and how you're going to get them from A to B, how you're going to get the information to them and back from them and in a timely manner and correct. And then the third part, which kind of wraps all of that up together, is you need to know what you're going to monitor and how and more importantly, how are you actually going to communicate with them? Because that's, you know, the basis of uh, getting the best output from them. Yeah, great advice, Jerry. Now, one question I have, um, I suppose, further to that, you're, you're, it's only you in Australia, so you have to do all the training, the recruiting, um, finding the clients, and obviously the back-end processing of the work. How did you allocate sufficient time to get the team up and running, particularly with your recruitment strategy of only recruiting graduates? How did you find balancing the time of taking on clients and doing what you need to do as a sole practitioner in Australia with growing and scaling a team like you have, particularly in the last 12 months where you went from two team members to six offshore? So it's having a good understanding that it's not a quick process, okay? They will not know what is expected of them right off the bat. So you need to have your processes down pat. You need to know what they're gonna do down pat so that you can actually feed that to them and they can learn. We have a um, quite a detailed training program um, in the back end intranet of Air Adventure, um, and the expectation is that they actually read that within the first two days of starting, and that gives them a grounding. And now, I would say that ninety percent of the things that they read in that um, intranet doesn't make zero sense to them, but it gives them a, a focus point to go back to in order to um, increase their knowledge if there's something they're not sure of. And from there, once you understand that it's not going to be a daily, uh, you know something they're going to be able to take on that day, you need to know you're going to spend time with them and you need to work your own time management around that, knowing that you need to spend now 80% of your time from there and and then for probably another 80% of your time doing what you would normally do. But you'll actually reap the rewards of that and eventually your own team will teach your own team. Okay, so once you spend that time initially, they will start to back off per team member. But I actually spend time with every team member when they start so that they get the information from me directly and not just secondhand from a book or secondhand from the other team. It's great advice. And I mean, look, you've been able to scale, scale your business really, really well. And I mean, it's all hinging back. And it's very clear from what you've been saying now. It's all, you know, system and process. Get that right. And it just makes the, the other side of the journey a lot easier. Now, Jerry, if we had a word or a phrase to describe the value your offshore team provides, what would it be? Um, I, I can't really think of a word, but um, I definitely wouldn't be here without them. I guess that's probably a phrase that I would use. Um, I couldn't do the scale of the work that I'm doing without the team that I've got. Um, and I definitely wouldn't be able to have the size of the team here locally that I do over there and be able to get through all of the work. We would all have 140, 150% workloads. Whereas at the moment, we probably all sit at around 70%. Okay, great. So we obviously hear a lot of perceptions off on offshoring. What are the main things that you've heard and what surprised you the most? 
Um, I guess it's probably not surprising, but a lot of the uh, other accounting firms have decided that they're not going to offshore. They like to bandy around that it's a profit-making scheme. And really what they're doing is they're charging the clients exactly the same. Um, and then the reduced cost of the staff then becomes um, bottom line profit, which uh, whilst not surprising, I don't think is actually true. Um, I think um, some of the perceptions of other things might be the privacy and then the staff not actually understanding the, the Australian accounting methods, um, which I think is, that's definitely a, a myth. Excellent. Now, the year ahead, what is your plan with your offshore team? How do you plan to keep growing your team, their capability um, and their performance? So our year ahead, I guess, is always dependent on me for sales. Um, so the more I can push to the team and more that I can empower over there um, becomes uh, their growth capacity. Um, we have, as I've mentioned, an internal training schedule, uh, which then empowers them to learn. They get to learn about things that they might not actually get to do in their job, which then increases their knowledge um, and, and empowers them to have more capacity as required if we need them to. Um, we have a, uh, one of our values is to uh, learn the job from the person above you and to teach the job to the person below you. And um, that's one of the main ways that we uh, increases our capability. Um, and, and like I said, our growth is just going to come organically as um, we hit our capacity boundaries. Um, there's two ways that I hire and that's one if we get, if we start to hit 80 to 90% capacity, I'll actually bring someone on. Um, and, and take a financial hit myself in order to make sure that we get the best output from the team. The, the more under pressure they are with their, their capacity, the, the decrease in the work ethic, uh, ethic's probably the wrong word, the output. Um, and then the second way is revenue markers. So when we hit a new revenue marker, I'll bring a new person on regardless of whether or not we've got work for them. Um, because that way, when we do have work, they're there ready to go fully trained. It's great advice and I think too many accounting firms are just redlining their staff and you know, we've been obviously recently we've been on our um, client roadshow around Australia and we've been talking a lot about capacity and capability, um, but particularly around capacity and it's coming out more and more now that our clients are really starting to you know, run the Australian team at 50 to 70% capacity, freeing up time so they can really talk to their clients with which an adding value which they should be doing, but even with the offshore team only keeping them at about 70% productivity and always bringing on um, new staff before it's needed so that they are trained up and exactly what you said Jerry is great advice to anyone listening that you know build the capability build the capacity so that as you bring on new clients they're already trained you're going to give a really clean and great experience right from the start. So Jerry we're going to talk about um, some top do's so recommendations for our listeners what are some of the top things that you would recommend doing in managing an offshore team? Yeah, I guess the um, one of the things I learned when I was working mid-year accounting, um, treat them as humans, okay? They are human beings. They will make mistakes. They do have emotions. Um, they will read emails um, wrong, okay? And uh, that's probably the biggest do that I can give anybody. Um, the second one is have clear but not unrealistic expectations, okay? Definitely clear and definitely not unrealistic and the third one is uh, empower them, okay? You need to empower them. They have a lot more skills than just accounting. And uh, we found that um, as we've learned to uh, understand who they are as people, um, that they, we can utilise these skills in other elements of our business. Yeah, couldn't agree more with all three of those, particularly the empowering one. I think a lot of uh, accountants just see offshoring as an overseas resource 
but really empowering them to make them feel part of your team. I know that whenever I see you and your team over there, Jerry, it's, you know, we know that that's the errand crew. Um, they're really engaged. They're always smiling. They're always having fun. Um, but at the end of the day, they're really productive and, and really hitting some goals, which is, which is fantastic. Um, so when we're looking at KPIs and metrics, this is something a lot of accounting firms struggle with. And, and it's a common one with having an offshore team. Um, what KPIs do you measure for the success of your offshore team? Yeah, so I guess we're a little bit different in that sense that um, I guess you wouldn't really call it a KPI. I don't tend to measure it, but we do have an expectation. There's one that I have that they all know. It's the first thing they learn when they start working and it's the one that they have to hit every day. Um, and that effectively goes along the lines of, did it go out on time and was it correct? And if they're hitting that, then everything else that I've expected them had to have happened. Because if they didn't go out on time, then something went along the way that they didn't follow or we didn't have all the information, which meant they didn't follow a different sort of template or flow of our information. And if it wasn't correct, well, then they haven't obviously followed their um, their guidelines in, in asking a question as well. So as much as it's not measurable, um, it's something that we, uh, we do uh, sort of keep in line with. Yeah, excellent. So has offshoring given you more time and less hours required in the office? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, when I talk to people about what I do and how I do it, they, they definitely talk about a, um, a what is it, a work-life balance. Um, I have a rule that if, I, if I'm if i spending time with my children, then I'm not working. My clients understand it, my staff understand that. Um, and the time that I get now is actually time to spend um, on training, on empowerment, on business strategy, on sales. Um, and I'm not spending time specifically doing, you know, management journals and, uh, you know, working through creditors and bank recs and things like that. The, the, the time shift is definitely relevant. Excellent. Now, has offshoring increased your average hourly rate if you use that to measure or if not, has it increased your business profitability overall? Yeah, well, we don't use hourly rate. Everything for us is packaged. Um, so I have a big um, point to make about hourly rates and maybe that's a conversation for another day. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, our, definitely our business profits. So we, I have a metric that all of our packages are worked to, and that's an inclusive amount of um, obviously what we uh, cost out for our, we pay for all of our packages for our clients as well. And then obviously the staff um, going uh, uh, their, their cost, okay? And then we work to that gross profit and every, every job works to that gross profit. So as much as it's increased our profit, probably not, but we're always profitable on every single thing that we do. Excellent. Great way to be. Now, some advice for the accounting community listening to this. What one bit of advice would you give your younger self from a business point of view? Yeah, so this one's um, something I've learned throughout my career and definitely whilst I've started my own business. Um, always get your engagement agreement signed before you start. Definitely. Great piece of advice. One bit of advice <laughs> you'd give your younger self from a personal point of view. Yeah, um, I probably won't tell you the rest of this story, but my bit of advice is uh, don't forget to double pack the underwear when you travel. So always take <laughs> where you want to take. Seems like an interesting story. Now, what is the biggest myth or objection you've heard about having an offshore team and is it true? Okay, so the, the biggest myth is that I'm sending jobs away. Um, and I think that's probably partly true. Um, but what it happens and this will naturally happen is that if you're sending the jobs away this part of the work 
then you're actually creating capacity and more jobs for the better work here. Now, better work is probably not the greatest way to explain it, but um, what firms will deem as more valuable work, face-to-face -face work here, it doesn't, it gives you the ability to have more of that here by using the offshoring model for the lower level um, processing work. Yeah, no, definitely. Now, for someone looking to grow their business and their team, what's the best piece of advice that you've heard and implemented that you could pass on to them? Um, so you definitely need to have everything here at home base correct. Um, you need to know what, how things work here and how you're going to work with things over there. I like to put it in the terms of if you can't do it from home, they can't do it. Great bit of advice. Now, quick five uh, questions to finish off the podcast today. What cloud software do you use in your firm? Yeah, so we have um, software decks per industry that we'll recommend to our clients depending on uh, what industry they work in. Um, but all of our clients will get a, a zero file and a receipt bank subscription as part of their base engagement with us. Excellent. Your favourite app? Uh, my favourite app is definitely Spotify. That's a great one. What is your must read each week? Uh, I don't have a specific read every week, but um, I definitely take time to read um, either a business, um, I guess, novel or a, a business book um, or a novel every week. I just alternate each week between them. Yeah, excellent. Favourite social media channel? Definitely Facebook. It updates me on all my news and sport. Excellent. Favourite KPI? Yeah, so I might need to explain this um, a little bit, but my favourite KPI is um, what percentage of planes landed on time. Um, the explanation behind that is uh, whilst I was doing some of my training and management training over my career, um, I read this case study about um, a person who went into an airport and they had something like 100 different KPIs in order to make sure that the airline was efficient, um, um, but it was getting too complex and they asked him to fix it. And uh, he went away and he looked at all the KPIs and all the data and spent some time. And this is the KPI that he came back with, um, what percentage of planes landed on time. And uh, effectively what that meant is that that one KPI deemed that if that KPI was met, then everything else in the business had to have worked. Because if this metric didn't work, then something failed along the way. Interesting, which now relates back to the metric of what you measure um, very well. So, Jerry, lots of interesting takeaways from today. If any of our listeners want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Absolutely. So they can either head to our website, which is errantventure.com.au, um, and uh, contact us through that uh, website, or they can head to our Facebook page and um, either message me there or, or send us a, um, a, uh, some information through there. Excellent. Thank you very much. To follow our podcast and get insights from leading accountants, simply visit theoutsourcedaccountant.com or visit iTunes or SourCloud and head to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. To connect with me personally, just look for my Twitter handle at Nick Q Sinclair or find me on LinkedIn at Nick Sinclair. Thanks and have a great day.